Hello, welcome to the Mediocre Takes podcast, the podcast where we share our mediocre takes on the shows and movies we watch. I'm Marco and I'm here with my co-host Mel. How are you doing, Mel? Look at what I built. What is it? It's not done yet. It's uh, the Batmobile from The Uh. Batman. Yeah, it's taken me about a year. (laughs) (laughs) Do you just like stop building it for a while and then come back to it every now and then? Well, what happened was I got really close and then I realized that I made a I made a pretty big mistake right at the beginning. So mm-hmm. I got really mad at myself and then about four months later I tore it all apart and then I got really sad with myself and then about two months later I started rebuilding it. I see. That's interesting, I guess. I don't know, that's kinda sad. You're pathetic. But oh, it is <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it is what it is, I guess. Anyways, today we're talking about Shira season five. So yeah, I'll go ahead. Episode one, Horde Prime. The rebellion fend off the Horde invasion. Horde Prime threatens Glimmer. Adora has a chat with Shira. Okay, so I find it funny because when you think about it, this is actually all Glimmer's fault. Like if she actually watched Scorpion and Catra during the princess prom thing, they wouldn't have bombed the place. Most likely, most likely. This is, this is a possibility. Are you are you claiming butterfly effect? Yes, I am. <laughs> wow. I like that. Okay. <laughs> then she'll have never gone kidnapped and this would have never happened. So, yeah, I am I am claiming butterfly effect. I hate Lord Prime, but I think he's a decent villain most of the time. I wish we didn't get a time skip in this episode. Time skips are usually poorly written, but I feel like there was so much character development that could have been created if we got Micah and Shadow Weaver to react to each other for the first time because Micah doesn't know what Shadow Weaver has been up to and Shadow Weaver thinks Micah has been dead this whole time. Also, are the princesses kingdoms taken over because shouldn't they be protecting their own kingdoms? I was wondering about that. I'm assuming they are taken over. I don't think so. I think they're just helping defend each of them. Hmm. I know that Frosta doesn't have to defend her kingdom because it's so far away. Does uh, Spinnerella and Natasa, do they have kingdoms? That's a good question. I've never <laughs> thought of it that way. I, I don't, I don't know. remember. They're princesses, so they should. Unless they're like parents like that and the kingdom has fallen or something. Anything's possible, honestly. Yeah. Also, shouldn't there be like a reaction to how the other princess reacted to Entrapta being alive? Because, like, some of them don't know still. Um, it's really fun to see Adora struggle with not having Shira. Technically, she only had her for a few years, but she and the Rebellion really use Shira as a crutch. So watching them, specifically Adora, struggle to rely more on each other instead of Shira was really interesting. Ketra's conversation with Horde Prime really shows what her deal is, which is she needs to feel useful. She needs to feel needed, which makes complete sense given she's been told she's a waste of rations since she was a baby. (laughs) So Horde Prime is literally a genocider and I'll never defend him or any of his actions. That being said, him feeding Glimmer food from a planet he destroyed was some great psychological, not torture, but something along those lines. Okay, Horde Prime pointing out Catra's elevated heartbeat and dilated pupils when seeing Adora. He basically pointed at her and said, I know what you are. Episode 2, Launch. The princesses find out where Glimmer is. Adora has a conversation with Shira again. Bo, Entrapta, and Adora go on a mission to get Glimmer back. So question, does Horde Prime know that if he destroys the world using the weapon, he won't be alive? Or is that the point? Because I was kind of confused on that part. Oh, so this was like a little theory I had. I, I wrote, Also, I don't know if they flat out say this, but is Horde Prime in war with the first ones? Or was that just hinted at? Um, I think it is revealed later in one of these episodes that we're reviewing right now. I wish we got more of the Shadow Shira that was in this episode and more of it in the season. Like, there's just a lot of questions asked and none of them were really explained. Oh, also, I just found this out while I was watching this. Um, but also, apparently, Horde is spelled with an E, and I've been spelling it without an E. So that's fun, I guess. 
Oh, okay. So I kind of forgot to write notes on the parallel arcs between Katra and Glimmer. Both of them kind of become worse people in season four. And I really like how they become better in season five. I really like how their parallel arcs stay still the same kind of during season five too. Like it's about them trying to like become better people and apologize to the people they hurt. It's really good. Um, Something about that, like they basically come together once they've hit rock bottom Mm-hmm. And then they like grow together. Yeah. Yeah, it's really That's, amazing. I just realized that. Oh my gosh. I guess really? I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest, I really just focused on Catra and Adora this season. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of funny. Queen, controversial take. I'm not saying it's bad every time because I think it's good in some parts. However, I feel like Entrapta's autism representation is kind of bad in this season. Like, she acts completely different from the first four seasons um, because she actually remembers Glimmer and the other characters, unlike in this season where she doesn't know who Glimmer is. Rarely are there times where I've sighed and rolled my eyes at this show, but when the princesses were talking about Entrapta and Mermista's, like, she's betrayed us before. You're joking. You guys abandoned her and then didn't think twice about checking to see if she was actually killed by the Horde. Bo had the realization after he had suspicions about the Horde's tech, and the reason she stayed is because she felt comfortable there and was around people who encouraged her. Like, be serious immediately. Just my opinion. I feel like they should have written it so that way Entrapta like told them that that was what happened. I don't know if she knew that they thought she was dead. But I feel like if she, or when she figured it out, she should have just straight up told them that because then there wouldn't have been that conflict. Or at least that conflict would have been resolved easier. Would that be in her character to do that, though? I feel like it would have been early in like season one through four a little bit. However, in season five, not really. Interesting thoughts. Imagine finding out your dad is alive via a cult leader trying to blackmail you into giving him the nuke codes. I giggled. Also, I know the princesses apologize to Atrapta, but I hope a small part of them always feel bad for yelling at her. Okay, Madame Raz is a bit wacky, but I thought she was pretty clear when she told Adora that she was Shira, not the sword. So it kind of like, I don't know, it kind of confused me when she was like, oh no, Shira's gone. Girl wasn't paying attention. <laughs> that that's... No, she really isn't. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, she actually is never paying. She is, she's literally never paying attention. And it's so funny because she's like, I just want answers. I just need to know the answers. She is never paying attention. Like, she literally said it straight to her face. What are you not getting? It's the white woman in her, I think. I don't know. Something about it. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, who said that? Episode three, Corridors. Ooh. Okay. Bo and Trapta and Adora face some ship troubles. Katra saves Glimmer. Adora is conflicted. I enjoyed Katra as a character, but I don't think they did a decent job redeeming her. Like, the flashback we get only made me dislike her more. Like, honestly, when she scratched Adora, that was a real red flag. It was very girl. Yeah. <laughs> Marco, Marco! What? They're fucking children. They're children. They're not fucking. They're children, Marco. <laughs> They're not. They're you, can't, you can't point at a kid doing having kid behavior and then be like, that's a red flag. Don't be silly, Mark. Yes, but as a child tater, I, I, I gotta say what I want. <laughs> I guess, but also children don't have big kid brain. I mean, I, I guess, know. but like, I feel like all the other children weren't acting that way either. You know, you didn't see that, so you don't have any supporting evidence. I guess <laughs> you're right. You're right when it comes to that part. I guess. Well, Seal is very girl boss of Horde Prime to electrocute Hordak. He had it coming. The side plot with the door and the crew is once again a boring plot. I don't know why the heroes always get constant boring plots in this show. Bo's spacesuit has a cutout for his stomach, which is once again strange. I feel like the two corridors that represent Catra's decision is kind of cliche. And Mel, I know you like this episode, but I feel like that was that was a bit too like much, you know, because like it, it's basically like two roads, you know. I don't know. It felt really cliche to me. I like the ending of this episode too. You don't understand, Marco. This could have been the most cliche episode in the world. I ate this shit up. Okay, I really liked the visual we got of Etheria from the spaceship. Like watching all those intense red dots and knowing they're bombs. It really showed the seriousness of the war they're in right now. 
Okay, we finally get a normal conversation between Catra and Glimmer. Trust me, the fight scenes were great, but this was the perfect time for both of them to have this talk, especially now in their journeys where their paths basically become one. Bonus points for having them sit back to back. I really love that visual. Also, Catra, what was that blush about? What were you and Adora whispering about when you two had sleepovers? Was it about how you both wanted to spend the rest of your lives together? Platonically, of course. So, the green pool and what it does. It's just electroshock therapy, but the writers made specific choices in how they wrote this scene. The Horde Lord called Catra in and picked at her almost first-hand instinct to protect Adora. He said that her feelings towards Adora causes her nothing but suffering. He told her he had a way to free her of these feelings. This was a simple allegory, analogy, metaphor. I literally looked up literary devices and still couldn't figure out which one fit this. Symbolism motif of gay conversion therapy and that was cute i especially love the part where the clones feverishly repeated the phrase all beings must suffer to become pure that was really the nail in the coffin for what this was trying to show <laughs> you mentioned bo's spacesuit they are impractical looking especially since i have no idea how entraptas would work in order to like create a like a secure i don't know whatever so she doesn't fucking like literally die from space but it's a cartoon and i just love how the characters traits were not glossed over when their suits were made listeners did you hear what i heard little catra proclaiming she will never say sorry to anybody ever bold statement okay everyone you can't be mean to catra anymore she acknowledged that she's hurt people and sacrificed herself for the greater good. In my eyes, she's completely redeemed. I didn't care why y'all still hate her. Don't shake your head at me. Marco, she said she's sorry. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you that sorry is a good first step, but I feel like she's we needed to see more of her growing as a person and not just of romance with her and Adora. Ooh, a lesbian I don't hater. know, I mean... <laughs> a gay lesbian hater where have i seen this before uh, <laughs> that, that really okay. caught me off guard i'm sorry for everything catra yells desperately right before sending glimmer away and the communication channel is cut season three episode six anyone i told you to remember listeners keep up also According to Andy Stevenson's joke tweet, those fucking clones murked Catra. That's, what, eight lives down? Oh no. Catra laughing at Horde, season three, episode one. It's in her nature. Episode four, Stranded. Bo, Glimmer, and Adora make allies and find more fuel for their ship. During their daring adventure, Adora is finally able to summon Shira just for a moment, and Glimmer apologizes to Bo. I feel like neither Glimmer or Catra were completely redeemed, which can be a good thing. Like, I get that redemption takes a long time. I feel like neither Catra or Glimmer showed that they were going to continue to work on their problems after the show. Or at least I don't think the writers wrote it like that. I feel like they kind of wrote it like, ooh, we forgive you and everything. Like, Catra just makes one move and then the writers make it seem like Catra's completely redeemed. I know what your smile says, Matt, but listen, that's how I feel. I just feel like they needed to purposely write that sorry isn't always the best you can do. There are other ways to prove you've changed. I really like what Glimmer says at the end of the episode to Bo. That was a really good scene. This episode feels way too much like filler. Apparently, the guy in the Star Siblings is trans, which I do enjoy, but I feel like it kind of been at least been like spelled out a bit more. Spelled out a bit more? What do you mean by that? Like, I want, I want it to be shown that, like, this was representation. You know what's tricky about that is, okay, so in the original show, there were the Star Sisters. Mm -hmm. And apparently, at Princess Prom, there were the Star Sisters, but then they wrote in the Star Siblings, and the Star Siblings actually look much more like the original Star Sisters from the original show. So I sort of feel like... They already had the Star Sisters in here, but they were like, we can do something with this. And then they created the Star Siblings. It's almost like he transitioned from then to now. No, they're two different groups. Oh, okay. 
Really? Or that's what it says on the that's what it says on the wiki. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of confusing, but I, I still yeah. think it should have been like done better. Kyle is gay confirmed, but we all knew that already, right? We literally talked about this already. <laughs> Scaly. <laughs> <laughs> I know with the lizard no less. I guess Lem Pickens in the horde. <laughs> Just like no offense, but like I know this is like a magical world or whatever, but like total offense. The alligator man? Okay. <laughs> the lizard boy? Really? All right. Wait a minute. This is the representation we're getting? A twink in love with a lizard and a white woman in love with a cat? Guys. <laughs> and a non-binary alien thing? They were right about the gay agenda. Anyway, but that Kyle comment really came out of left field for me, honestly cringe that glimmer was trying to act like things were normal in the best friend squad in the beginning okay the don't go towards the light joke was a nice way to cut the tension in that scene i really liked it it wasn't a misplaced joke which is what i enjoyed also the star siblings we already talked about this but i think the star siblings were probably some of my favorite reimaginings from the original characters from the original season a glow up in my opinion episode five save the cat the best friend squad enter Horde Prime's ship. Entrapta and Bo make an unlikely friend. Shira saves the cat. I feel like this arc needed to be at least two seasons or one season with a lot less filler. I don't like Entrapta because of her romance with Hordak. Like, why would you date a literal dictator? It's giving I could change him. It's giving Steven Universe ending. Which is not good, by the way. The Steven Universe ending is not good. Now, I'm not saying this is it, but the, it's giving the writer's room was very palm-colored. It's giving the writer's room was very 8.5 by 11-inch paper. Also, the diamonds from Steven Universe are genocidal, and I know I said this before, but that's on Peridot. Also, I'm pretty sure the writer's room for Steven Universe is also pretty white, but I'm not sure about Shira. so... I really like Adora's new transformation. I didn't know we got a new one in this show, but... I wish we got more. I also love her new design. Babe, wake up. The new Shira outfit just dropped. <laughs> I know I've brought up the handful of times where it would have been perfect for Shira to get a new look. Mm -hmm. And I stand by those. There really were times where it would be great for at least just a few adjustments or something. Like nothing big, just small stuff. But this total revamp was kind of... I guess Adora's way of physically showing us that she's not the little girl she was in season one. Even the sword looks like a real sword instead of a toy. Would you say that having four seasons of no change to her Shira outfit for this scene was perfect? I, I would prefer if we had more Shira outfits. Even if it was just small changes, do you think it would take away from the fact that this was a total revamp of her outfit? No, because I feel like you kind of still made it like a big show either way. Also, I don't know why, but the new Shira outfit reminds me of Mara's outfit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was on purpose. Okay. I really love the animations for the scenes where we see a dwarf as Shira, especially when she was fighting the Horde members. Honestly, I'll take an Entrapta and Wrong Hordak friendship any day before I take an Entrapta and Hordak friendship. And actually, I really do like wrong hordak in general when i first saw the catcher reveal in this episode my jaw unhinged okay i can't say as much as i want to about the catcher reveal and the fight scenes because we'd be here forever i just need you all to please watch this show because i promise you if you get through those seasons and reach this scene you will go as feral as i went her calm voice, her short hair, her bare face, Horde Prime occasionally taking her over, but also Catra having moments of clarity. The scream she scrumped when she was shocked and fell off a cliff. A cliff? Y'all remember how I kept mentioning how these bitches could not, for the life of them, stay away from the edge of high platforms? I was being serious. I cannot be the only one who went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs during this episode. Also, Catra suffered fatal wounds when she fell off that cliff and died in the ship now how many lives has she lost let's see well princess prom cliff big first one spider slowly suffocated yeeted into a portal portal again glimmer hordak curb stomp by clones oh a cliff again that's oh that's nine 
And if you do the conversions, that was Catra's last life, meaning she was dead. And then she revived her and Endora enveloped her in her arms. Dot, dot, dot. I kind of think this was gayer than gay sex. Having sex with the same gendered partner is one thing, but reviving your soulmate after saving them from a space cult? I mean, come on. Turn up your volume, listeners, because Katra fucking purred at the end of that episode. It's so ergo. The pussy is purring. Episode 6, Taking Control. Ward Prime is chipping the people of Etheria. Katra apologizes to Entrapta. Shira sends a message to the ward. Honestly, the B plot was just okay. I didn't write enough notes for this episode, so my bad. I feel like there was way too much shipping and stuff character development, so I feel like you'd really enjoy the shipping. I think there- Why would you do that? <laughs> because you pretty much only talk about Adora and Catra in this season. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I also talk about Glimmer. A little bit. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um oh i forgot to mention this when you were talking about Catra when she was being taken over by a horde prime but i do not like the slicked back hair of Catra's. It, it looked really wrong especially with her ears like popping out i don't know something yeah. about that just really felt wrong but i guess that's yes! kind of the point yeah anyway if you've been skipping the intro song now's the time to stop because things change in almost every episode after this one glimmer is the realist for pointing out that even she knows that catra couldn't immediately do a 180 and it kind of makes sense that glimmer of all people would know that hey marco remember how you were talking about how you didn't like the personality change of frosta when she finally joined the rebellion well you got her back and all it took was a father <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> Honestly, I kind of like it. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I get it now. Because what's his name? Micah was like trying to treat her like a child. And she was like, I don't want to be treated like a child. Oh, you know, now that I think about it. What? She really only she really only acted that way when people were treating her like a child. Like Adora oh, yeah. was literally. Yeah, Adora was literally like, that's a child. And she was like, um, actually. And then after that, <laughs> I'm laughing to shut that up. <laughs> but after that, she actually acted like a child. And then now that she's being treated like one again, mm -hmm. she's like, um, actually. Anyway, let's dissect Shira's new outfit. There are wings on her feet to symbolize glimmer, a heart cut out between her shoulder plates to symbolize bow, and a headpiece very reminiscent of one we've seen before. Catra has hated Shira since day one. Duh, don't be silly. But when she saw that transformation, never in my life have I witnessed someone have their gay awakening moment until I watched that scene. Also, I read somewhere that Entrapta forgives Katra, but won't forget what she did to her. And, you know, she's stronger than me. Because I've been holding grudges since before I could read. You guys, I'll put this out in the open. Um, I'm trying to come up with a new intro because I've been doing this intro for like two years. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know. Although I bet none of you will comment. So Ooh. just I'm just saying I'm I'm trying to come up with a new intro. So Mel and I will come up with ideas and we'll see what sticks. And Mel is sending me a meme right now. So yeah, it's very important. So so eepy. Oh, it's sleepy. <laughs> so eepy. That looks kind of lame, but... What are you talking about? It's so easy. It, it looks like something a, manali, a, man, a, man, a, man, a millennial <laughs> would laugh to. No, it's not. It's, it's yeah. Zoomer internet humor. So eepy. Okay, whatever you say. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. Episode 7, Perils of Peekaboo. Scorpio shines. The Rebellion loses valuable allies to Horde Prime's chips. The remaining rebellion warns the best friend squad of Prime's blockade. So eepy. Oh, this episode could have been a better episode if they wrote the characters reacting more to, you know, the alien invasion that's going on. Scorpia has a really amazing singing voice. I wish we got to see Micah and the princesses being chipped instead of just cutting to them being chipped. I actually sort of think that the, we, the fact that we don't get to see them adds this layer of mystery to it, which is kind of nice, I guess. Like, we know when someone's getting chipped because they sort of just have that stone face and they just, like, mysteriously walk out of somewhere. But I still think that 
is a more interesting scene than if we saw someone just like fucking smack a chip on the back of their neck. I love the drama in this episode, but the jokes were not for me. Okay. Not Catcher jumping in a door's lap and purring. What are you, gay or something? Also, this was such a minute detail, but while Entrapta was talking, if you looked in the background, you see Catcher and Adora sneaking peeks at each other. Like, they didn't have to add that, so the fact that they did just makes me happy. Okay, remember how I said the intros change in almost every episode? Catra has entered the chat. So objectively, this is the best filler episode, and not just because Scorpia really got the chance to shine. The only thing that really dragged this episode down was the inclusion of Seahawk. I don't know, his shtick with all his enemies being there was like kind of funny a little bit, but it was also kind of like really annoying. Also, not double trouble calling Catra their cash kitten. <laughs> so when are we going to talk about how Scorpia and Perfuma want to smooch each other? Because I feel like that's really important to the plot. Hot take, but not like Scorpia and Perfuma romance. I am feel very neutral about what you said, and I'm not at all angry. Well, here's my thing, okay? Scorpia like, liked Catra the whole entire time. And like I felt like the writers just like tried to shove her with someone. Not necessarily. Because I feel like both of them in general sort of vibe well with each other. And also, I don't think, okay, I'm over-exaggerating when I say I want them to kiss. But I actually really think that we don't really see any sort of maybe romantic connection with them until the last episode when Scorpio's like, whoa, Perfuma, you look so, wow, you know? But I feel like if, I, if they were going to do that, they should have like built up to that more. I guess, yeah. If only yeah. we had more time. I think it was pretty cool that they chose to have two couples where one of them gets chipped and then they like have to fight the other. I think it was a great way to switch between both scenes. Episode 8, Shot in the Dark. <laughs> Can I say something? This is, it just popped up in my head, but I need to say it. One time when I was like nine, I used to drink like warm milk before I went to bed. My, my brother would literally warm up milk for me in the microwave and one time i drank some of it but i i like left it out because i fell asleep and then in the morning i was like oh i want some more warm milk and then i drank it and it was like curdled milk <laughs> okay sorry that just popped up in my head and i had to get it out episode eight shot in the dark the best friend squad plus learn horde prime's weakness katra makes a friend shadow weaver and cast a strike a deal I find it funny that Katra has her tail sticking out of her space suit, which is funny because it makes no sense whatsoever. I only noticed that when her tail started like standing on edge. So how strong are Katra's claws? Because she cut through that metal like it was a slice of cake, you know? I think it might have something to do with the fact that it was magic. Mm. But I also like the Wait. idea that her nails are capable of going through thick yeah. metal. Yeah, I like I like that like little idea of it. Of her claws being that strong. I love Ron Hordak. I really wish Glimmer said something about how Catra made it so Angela was dead. Or at least like kind of dead. Like when you think about the death it's all Catra's fault. I really wish we got to see more of Cast a Spell in the series. Like she is such an underutilized character. When Glimmer kissed Catra on the cheek I really got pissed off. If someone caused the death of my mom I would never forgive and never forget. Okay. Yeah. But, like, we're never going to agree on this, but technically she didn't, like, kill her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. But she sent her to, like, a different dimension to be, like, stuck there forever, you know? She made it so Glimmer can't see her mom anymore, so... so Glimmer should still be pissed off. <laughs> Accidents? Oh, so this is what I was talking about with you earlier. So I was looking on Reddit because I'm stupid and I saw someone say if Catra was a guy or a straight person, people would hate her. But since she's a girly, they don't. And I feel like that's wrong, actually. Like, you're wrong. Wrong. People say, what if the rules were reversed? Like, Mal told me this. Like, people say, what if the rules are reversed? But the rules are reversed. I feel like people hate her more because she's a girl and because she's a queer person or a lesbian, I guess. And and if she was a man, people would hate her less. Men suck anyways. That's it. Yeah. The one thing I just wanted to add was with like how you said the roles are reversed. Yeah. 
whenever anyone brings that up like what if the roles are reversed listen i'm gonna be honest with you men statistically are the perpetrators of a lot of crimes and to see a woman and be like she's she's committing these bad crimes what if the roles are reversed they are often and men also get away with like a lot of horrible things like often and they're sometimes sadly romanticized and we have a really deep history of hating on women no matter what type of character they are like they can be a deeply flawed character and they'll be shitted on they can be a mary sue and they'll be shitted on they can be a background character in three episodes and they'll be shitted on so like it statistically in fact if you are a minority then you are uh, in a disenfranchised community you will be shitted on more than if you're like a cis straight white male like that's just a fact I don't know if you were on this side of TikTok, but do you remember when a bunch of people of color were talking about how like white people were like watching this one show and were I think it was had to do with Jeffrey Dahmer and we're talking oh. about how like cool it was. Yeah, they were romanticizing and, and, him. Yeah, and some of the girls were like, he's so hot. And I'm like, no, he isn't. He really isn't. Nasty behavior. Nasty behavior. I love Wrong Hordak's existential crisis in this episode. It kind of reminds me of when a kid finds out Santa isn't real. And then how he does a complete 180 at the end and is like fully anti-Horde. Uh, okay, so Marco, you mentioned this a couple times before, but like why did you have an issue with like Kadra being a human-cat hybrid having cat ears where human ears would be? Because you said like the placement was I feel like cat ears should be like up here, you know? Not like no! on the sides of your head. It's because you watch that anime. <laughs> I don't watch any anime with like cat people in it. Genuinely, I don't understand where you're coming from. Because like really? personally, whenever I see a human cat person with like small ears at the top of their head, honestly, just looks stupid as fuck. I sort of see Catra as like kind of a a, <laughs> a biblically accurate cat person. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I I at least want them, like, right here or, like, up here, but not, like, right there. Right where know, the weird. human ears would be? Yeah. I don't know. It looks weird. It looked okay. better with her, like, her face mask thing on. Wow. So you think Catra's ugly now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's ugly. I just think she looked better with the mask thing on. I kind of make the argument that her hair kind of replaces that with the way it's mm. cut. Yeah, I guess. Wait, what do you mean by that? Uh, just sort of like how it it like goes down the sides of her, like where your side burns would be, I guess. Like mm -hmm. it goes down there, and it's sort of cut shorter where her forehead is. It's kind of still okay. in the shape of the the headpiece. Wait, what happened to the headpiece? I forgot. Horde Prime took it after he converted her. Oh, oh yeah, that makes yeah. Me he probably sense. just threw it in a trash can or something. <laughs> Anyway, so sorry that you are afflicted with the idea that <laughs> uh, cat ears should be placed at the top of a cat person's head. Also, I love how Catra's first reaction to a random being appearing is to tackle it. Anyway, time to talk about me log. First of all, I love the idea of having a physical representation for Catra's emotions. Second, this is how you create a sentient animal creature. No speaking. Catra angrily throwing Adora's hand away after she realizes they're holding hands. Please. That was so funny to me. Episode 9, An Ill Wind. The best friend squad plus liberate Erlandia from Horde Prime. Hordak remembers. Damn, I hate that Natasha and Spinderella were not used well in the past seasons. I feel like it would have made a better impact. When it came to the plot of Natasha trying to remove Spinnerella's chip, if we got like more of them in the past seasons. Oh, you know the word I was looking for is sidelined. They were sidelined in this series. Okay, so apparently the creators of the show knew that they were getting 48 episodes, like for the entire show of Shira. And I feel like they could have done a way better job, like plotting stuff out throughout the entire series. Like less filler, I'm guessing, is what I'm trying to say. Like, they kind of put less filler and more plot because I feel like there's way too much filler in the beginnings. And because of that, like, I felt like the ending was kind of rushed, um, which I'll get more into during the ending of the series. Okay, hot take, but Hordak and Entrapta is the same thing as Kadra and Adora, just in different fonts. 
You are going to hell for saying that. You are going straight to hell. Here's your one-way ticket. I can't believe you just said that. Oh my god. I am so mad at you right now. I'm sorry. You're... I'll keep that to myself because I don't want to be mean. Okay. Let's <laughs> say it. I just want to yell expletives at you, but okay. <laughs> I'll just keep it to myself. I finally figured out why I don't think Catra's redemption arc is that good. Um, they did a better redemption with Scorpia, and Catra needed at least a few more episodes, or at most another season. Oh, th this is kind of stupid, but I was like, wait. When I was watching this, I was like, wait, is Natasha the only black character? And then I forgot about Bo and his parents, and I was, and then I was like, watching the next episode, and I was like, wait a minute. Never mind. Okay, top of the hour. The title card is missing Spinnerella, Scorpia, Mermista, and Micah. Also, notice how every chipped person of importance is placed between Horde Prime during the intro. So we've discussed our hate for Entrapta and Hordak's relationship that is nothing <laughs> like Catherine Adora's because it didn't feel right. Entrapta and Wrong Hordak, though, I think they have a great and silly friendship much more palatable than Entrapta and Hordak. Speaking of Wrong Hordak, his winking in this episode is so adorable. Me complimenting a man? Truly a Christmas miracle. Kadra's little comment after Adora asked her how she's expected to fight her friends? Girl, I miss Kadra's bitterness. I don't think I'm entirely sure how Horde Prime's vessel transferring works. Because according to what Horde Prime has said, he can elect a new vessel, kind of like how you can like move a memory card from one PC to another. But also, according to Horde Prime, the previous vessel can hold on to secrets and not transfer them over. That's like how I personally understand it. I don't know if that's how that works, but that's just what I gathered from the information we were given. And I sort of wish that that was explained a little bit better so simpletons like me could understand it. Episode 10, Return to the Fright Zone. Bo and Glimmer learn about the failsafe. Their remaining rebellion regains a princess. I love when Natasha sprays Catra. Perfuma is so hard to watch. Like, all she does is talk about a friendship, which is kind of lame. Like, Perfuma should have at least fought. Like, I hate the fact that Perfuma, like, stood her ground all the way through. Even though all you need to do is just, like, hit them on the back of their chip. That's literally it. I kind of like that about her, though. Like, mm. the fact that she's, she believes so much in that, like, not that, like, friendship can conquer all. I mean, that's sort of what she's saying, but she's basically saying that her strength comes from her friendship and that you don't always have to resort to violence, which she's kind of right about because her friendship with Scorpia uh, leads them to, like, not being killed. I kind of like oh, how, she, how she stands in there and is like, no, this is me, and I'm not going to, like, change my morals because you want me to. I agree with you when it comes to, I like that um, her power comes from, like, trusting her friends and all that kind of stuff. But I still don't like how she didn't, like, fight at all. Like, all she did was stand there. And the least she could have done is still, like, hit the back of the chip. Because that way they would have been able to grab Scorpion and get her out of there. And that way, like, things would have been resolved a lot quicker. Then where would the drama be in the later episodes? <laughs> oh my god, I was gonna talk about this too, but I hate how they kept the characters with the chip in them. Like, they kept them so that way there would be more drama in the later episodes, but I feel like they could have been resolved so much quicker, and I feel like they kind of had space for other things to resolve too. So I'm confused about the Grey School thing, because I saw someone mention that Light Hope says Will you fight for the honor of Grace, which no longer makes sense since now it's supposed to be Mara's Rebellion group. And I get that the writers change or forgot stuff, but I just want to point that out. I don't think it was an accident. Hmm. I think they were actively like, because they were working with Shira, they were like, mm -hmm. okay, our code name will be Grey School. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. I think. What's the point of saying for the honor of Grey School if you don't need to say it to turn into Shira? I'm pretty sure we see Adora turn into Sheer without saying it. Yeah. It's for the culture, yeah. Marco. <laughs> okay. I feel like they kind of just cut that out or like have her say something else, you know? Something cooler. But I guess Honor of Grace Cole is pretty cool. What would you rather she say? For the honor of that puss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
you know if i kept that in they would have no context <laughs> so for the context we use podcastle to record our podcast episodes and podcastles lets you choose your username we change our usernames every episode so one of them oh wait i forgot what mal wrote but mal you wrote a funny one last oh, time save the puss yeah save the puss and i wrote for this episode since it's for the honor of grace school i was like for the honor of that puss oh wait, no, i think you just wrote this pup oh is this <laughs> it's this pussy it? purring <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me why would i say that <laughs> I mean, Dying. it made sense. I mean, it made sense because, like, Catra <laughs> was purring. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, yeah, that that's the explanation. Honestly, Catra asking if Frosta was serious after she socked her in the face. Princess prom, breaking reality, the siege of Salinas. Girl, be lucky she's the only one who went for it. Natasha reading everyone was kind of slay especially glimmers Catra kind of calling herself out by mentioning how she knows that scorpia isn't good at standing up to authority figures guys she's self-aware of how her previous actions have affected those around her stop being mean to her the scene where perfuma tells shira to put the tank down like an owner telling their dog to drop a pair of their socks that shit was so funny. This was also a great episode for Perfuma personally, for her to speak her truth about how she knows she's strong and won't compromise her morals. Also, Perfuma subtly letting Katra know that she knows her secret. Ooh, the girls are speaking with their eyes. Episode 11, Failsafe. The Rebellion obtains the failsafe. Katra runs away. Okay, I feel like this season was really rushed. Like I said before, we need more time to flesh out the story. Like I said again, like you had 48 episodes, I think is why I said. You just needed to write better, I guess. I don't know. I really love the part where it casts a spell on Glimmer react to seeing Micah. That was actually a really good scene. I just wish we got to see like a little bit more of their reaction. I don't know why Shadow Weaver says that Adora turning into Shira is Catra's fault. Oh wait, I do know. She's a manipulative, abusive person. Honestly, I really don't like her. I find it stupid that they left Micah behind in this episode. Like, they only do that so Micah can be there for the finale and, like, be conflict for Glimmer. Do you, but do you think that the ending conflict was worth it? Yeah, do you think the fight at the end was worth them leaving him behind? I feel like not really because mostly the fight wasn't that good in my opinion. And I get that she, like, she, like, stands up and, like, no, my mother taught me this and that. But she only, like, has been terrible to her mother. One. What was I going to say? Damn, I already forgot. You're right. I do forget shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't like how all she does is, like, blast him with, like, a really big beam. It kind of gave me Dragon Ball Z vibes. <laughs> Who do you think would win in a fight? Glimmer or the Dragon Ball? <laughs> I don't know their names. <laughs> uh, can he beat Goku? Have you seen those memes or like, where like people talk about where, like their favorite like, characters? Um, Sailor Moon versus Goku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who would win? Sailor Moon, obviously. But yeah. in this situation, who would win? Glimmer or Goku? I have no clue. Probably. It's pretty obvious. Glimmer? Yeah, duh. She literally has a sparkle beam. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, so I, I don't think it was really worth it. I feel like they kind of like had a different conflict there when it came to glimmer i feel like we could have gone like more of a redemption from her because i feel like all she did was like apologize to Bo. and while i do think that was decent i don't think that was good enough because she still needed to like talk to everybody else also i'm still disappointed that we never get to find out what that glowing sheer thing was wait what glowing sheer thing in that one episode where adora lost the sheer sword and she like gets these dreams where she sees a glowing Shira. Oh, or is yeah. on, or is on season four? Four, I think. I don't remember. Oh, I don't okay. remember so good. I might At be this wrong. Point, so. We've watched oh, wait, so no, much. It's season back five. To back. It's season five because season four she broke the sword, and then season oh. five is right after. Yeah, you're so right. Beginning of season five. <laughs> We've watched so much Shira back to back. It's all mixing in together. For those of you who don't know, we're recording these row after row, so we basically recorded episodes back to back. So it's kind of confusing to remember everything. 
Spinnerella is back in the title card and she's smooching on Natasa. I'm starting to think they're more than just best friends and roommates. Shadow Weaver was so infuriating in this episode, but we already knew that, huh? What's actually really frustrating for me is this is like the only time I've ever really been like fucking grinding my teeth being mad at her. And it's only because she's tr like actively trying to break up Catra and Adora. Wait, so you weren't mad at her because she abused Catra and Adora? No, obviously I'm mad at that. <laughs> but like referencing like scenes where we've like, okay, I don't like the fact that she abuses children obviously <laughs> obviously marco the scenes where we've seen her try to just manipulate them you know those times i was just sort of like okay like you know not like you know you know what i mean yeah i'm not yeah. endorsing child abuse <laughs> <laughs> no i know i just thought it'd be funny to say that anyway hordak should have died i hate that bitch keep that man away from entrapta catra's line it doesn't always have to be you. Because it doesn't, Adora. Her whole thing throughout this show is that she believes she has to sacrifice herself and what she wants for the greater good. But Adora has this affliction where she has to learn things the hard way. Actually, a lot of the characters in the show have that sickness. Get well soon, bestie. Oh, I get that Adora needs to stop feeling like she needs to be the hero all the time. But this is literally like an end of the world situation. So I don't know, like she's the only one who could like take the, the heart thing and survive. But the thing is, like, I feel like we've already established that you can you can get around things, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how is she going to go into this being like, I, I have to kill myself, guys. Guys, you don't understand. I have to do this. <laughs> it's like, no, really, you don't. I really wish we got captured to say, no, I'll kill myself instead. <laughs> Not in a Ooh, mean way. You know. no, I, don't, I don't mean it like <laughs> that way because I hate no, her. No, speak your truth. I, you want her dead. I know it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, literally, I literally just mean it. And like, I want, I want a catcher. I want proof that catcher will like protect Adora in some way or like care for Adora in some way other than the I love you at the end the episode of 13. Yeah. It would have been a great argument for them to have. Oh, how the tables have turned. The scene where Catra leaves and Adora asks her to stay. Poetic justice, dot dot dot, is a literary device I don't think fits this scene. Episode 12, Heart, Part 1. Catra runs to save Adora. Horde Prime hacks the system. Shira is injured. The monster thing looked really cool. I don't know what it is, but it looked nice. I love when Catra yells at Shadow Weaver. I was screaming. Adora doesn't want me. Not like I want her. Catra, why do you sound like every lesbian middle schooler writing in her diary about how she has a crush on her best friend? Anyway, I love how Milog is used to create scenes where we get to see and hear about Catra's inner turmoil. The music when they plug in Prime's USB to Etheria was actually so good and did a great job of making the scene seem like very eerie and menacing. So I've talked before about how wishy-washy Adora is with what she believes in and honestly, it's so exhausting. Do you mean wishy-washy? You said wishy-washy. You know what? Who cares? Especially since Adora was doing a great job at blocking out the haters, aka Shadow Weaver. But then suddenly she's like, no, actually, Shadow Weaver's right. Like, I really have to do this on my own. I really appreciate how we got a head kiss instead of a mouth kiss after the Glimmer and Bow love confession. I mean, personally, they have a lot of nerve having a heterosexual relationship in a children's cartoon in the first place pretty risky. Episode 13, Heart Part 2. Shadow Weaver sacrifices herself. Horde Prime is taking over the heart of Etheria. Kadra saves Adora, and lesbians save the universe. Okay, I know this is the finale and all, but I just have to mention, apparently Andy Stevenson says that Lonnie, Rahelio, and Kyle are in a threesome. Anyways, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> And I'm not hating on polyamory. I'm just hating on those three characters specifically and their relationship. Oop. Oop. 
<laughs> Can I say something? Yeah. <laughs> that makes things so much stranger because during Bo's speech, they like cut to the three of them and Kyle is strapping Hordax demon spawn into a baby harness attached to Rohelio. <laughs> Wait, what? So, I need to rewatch yes. this. I need to it's rewatch a, it's, this. Yeah, it's near the beginning of the episode. Knowing now that they're a, a threesome and what they're co parenting Hordak's failed clone. First of all, whatever happened to Ron Hordak and whatever happened to Hordak's child thing? I, I think, okay, so Hordak's child thing, I think it was just sort of left in the fright zone after he was taken up. Okay. And for Hordak, right. Wrong Hordak. Mm -hmm. I think he wasn't in the like final scenes, right? Yeah, he wasn't in yeah. any of the scenes in the final episode. So they just kind of got rid of him after Hordak came back? Wow. Best character ever and they got rid of him. Oh, I, I see it. <laughs> you oh, see you're right. Yeah. Why are they putting it in a baby harness? <laughs> Why are they co-parenting Hordak's failed clone? You guys have to see this to believe it. Oh my god. A black talking. woman, a twink, and a lizard man walk into a bar. <laughs> and they're in a threesome. No, I think that's the punchline. <laughs> yes, that's the punchline. <laughs> okay, so I remember that the hand-grabbing scene is very revolutionary girl Utena, but I watched it again today because we're, we're reading the show, um, Shira. And the Shira scene looks almost exactly like the revolutionary girl Utena scene, but the ending is just a little bit different or like very different. I find it interesting how shows will sometimes like copy and paste the ending of Utena or specific scenes in Utena. Like Steven Universe copies like a fight scene from Utena, barely, but there are little scenes like where they copy that. And I just find it very interesting. I still like the ending of uh, Shira, because I still think it's a decent show. I just find it strange that they decided to go that route. Although, maybe Andy Stevenson is a fan of Utena. He probably is. And I also think it was probably just like a little homage to, I guess, a, I guess, iconic <laughs> lesbian show. Lesbian, and, I guess. Well, the movie is lesbian, but the TV mm. show is not. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> no, I know you hate this show, but it's it's kind of iconic, you know? Well, not really, but it's memorable. That's that's the word I'm looking for. Future bow looks very strange, like the goatee and the hair. It, it just doesn't look right, you know? Or maybe I'm just not used to his new design. I find it very strange that Hordak shows affection to Adora when they showed in the earlier seasons that Hordak does not like baby Adora. Like, that's strange. Especially when he says, oh, I remember you. When he really shouldn't because he doesn't really show any interest in Adora throughout the seasons. Except for, like, season three where, like, Catra, like, pulls the lever and, like, resets the world to a weird dimension thing. So, yeah, that, that was just kind of strange. Yes, okay. I hate Hordak. We've established that. But that scene where we get him holding the baby and then it goes back to, like, Shira offering a, him a hand was kind of cool like it didn't make sense obviously but i just think that that little scene was kind of nice of him being like i remember you but she's like all grown up and stuff now if they use that in a different show or if they wrote in this but made it so that it made sense for the plot i feel like it could have been a really good scene like it would yeah. have been way better oh and i wish we got more from micah and glimmer than them just like hugging each other because like i don't know i just want more you know I just forgot to mention the way Mermista is like, so we're just okay with Hordak living with us now. That that's very strange. Like, why is no one commenting on it other than Mermista? She spoke for all of us when she said that. Because like yeah, another thing I think about is like, if y'all think Kasha shouldn't be forgiven, what do we do with Hordak? You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Objectively, Hordak has done much worse than Katra. So what are we doing with that? I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to that. Kordak is way worse than Katra, but because he's a man, you guys aren't commenting on it. We get an actual example of something that someone on Reddit said didn't exist. So Shadow Weaver sacrificing herself. I cried, obviously. Also, 
I don't really interact with the Shira fandom because I hate bad opinions, but I do remember someone posting about how Shadow Weaver's sacrifice was her last act of manipulation. I don't exactly remember what the entire post was about, but I think it was something about like, like she was putting this memory of her saving both of them in their minds before leaving them forever and like never giving them that satisfaction of knowing why someone as selfish and as heartless as her would do that for them and it's all topped off with her turning towards them mask off and saying you're welcome i just feel like for both of them that was a lot to think about yeah that was definitely like very manipulative i don't know it kind of made me angry you know i don't know why you cried when like well why did you cry well i have this thing called <laughs> mommy issues <laughs> um so i don't know <laughs> and like wait and i've already explained to you that i'm not really good with death like even fictional death you know mm -hmm. yeah wait so no just, you was, haven't yes i have i don't think you have in our last recording session when we were talking about mara and madame raz oh okay yeah okay it was kind of funny how hordak kind of yeeted horde prime and then horde prime just kind of took hordak over don't you get it I love you. I always have. So please, just this once, stay. Five seasons. 52 episodes. Was it worth it for this one scene? Yes, obviously. A true masterpiece for the ages that trumps all lesbian cartoons. A controversial statement that is, and a controversial statement I'll stand by. Mostly because I like to make people mad. I think this is true, but don't quote me on it. I think in one of the original scripts, after Catra and Adora kiss, Adora was gonna say, wow, which would have been so on brand for her. And I'm so sad that we had that stolen from us. In some of the ending shots, we got to see some of the like magical native animals and they were so cute. And that just really made me want to see more of the magical native wildlife and fauna. So I have some, uh, I have a couple questions for you, Marco. Some post-show questions. So I want to give you a hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Let's say we got one more season of the gang going on a mission. What would you want their mission to be? And what one thing would you want to see? So I would actually, I have two ideas for this answer. One is I would really like to see like the best friend gang, I guess go finally go after Glimmer's mom, Angela, because like, I feel like that was like, like a really loose thread. And I feel like they should have at least either like made it clear that they couldn't go back for her or they were going to go back for her eventually. But because of what was happening at the time, they could just couldn't. The other thing I would like to see is like, I guess this isn't more like an adventure when it comes to like the characters, but I would have really liked to see more of Mara uh, Light Hope and Raz. I feel like Raz was a really underutilized character, and I really wish we got to see more of just the three of them in general. Yeah, I think I just like want to see them at their peak. I feel like it'd be interesting if it was just another adventure, like they investigated a strange SOS message coming from an unknown solar system, and maybe they found out something mysterious that's linked to one of the best friend squad's family, or something along those lines, and they like. They follow it and it leads to this big high stakes battle and we get to see everyone at their full potential. Just something like that. I don't know. I just want to see more fighting, you know? Okay, another hypothetical. Let's say you're given a guaranteed five seasons for a cartoon show aimed towards children. What is one quote unquote big kid topic you would want to explore? Like, what's one message you want to show in a cartoon? Something you think could be really important for the youth to start to learn at a young age. So this is something that Steven Universe did, but I feel like they did it really poorly. And that is themes of genocide and like how to deal with genocide or like what to do in case genocide is happening. Okay, I'll go into why Steven Universe does a bad job doing genocide. And that's because Steven Universe and the Crystal Gems are like, no, we can't kill or hurt the genocidal tyrants or else that make us like as bad as the genocidal tyrants when really it won't it's literally just like you need to stop them from committing more genocide and hurting more people and sometimes like violence is the answer in that situation if they're like 
if you're talking to them and they still refuse to do anything, you have to do something, you know? So I would pretty much like to write a story or like something along those lines of like genocide being bad and you actually have to do stuff to like stop genocide. So I'm gonna spoil the ending of Steven Universe. Basically, how the story ends, at least the season five, Steven Universe Future, like, is its own thing. But basically, how it ends is that they don't do anything to the diamonds. Instead, Steven, like, splits in half because his gem is removed from his body. And because of that, like, a pink Steven comes out. And pink Steven basically yells, she's gone, uh, referring to pink diamond. And White Diamond gets really sad about this. And it's like, why can't I defeat this little kid? And this little kid is like, maybe because you're not experiencing emotions or he says something like snappy and that's how the episode ends and basically how the episodes end is like them going and in, like into a pool thing that heals all the gems and it's literally just them like healing everyone and like that that's basically the ending like the diamonds don't experience any consequences for their actions they do like stop being rulers however i think they need like a bigger punishment than just them stopping rulers of their empire so yeah I, I would really like it if i wrote a story or like had a story of something that dealt with genocide and did a better job than steven universe okay i said this before but you can tell the writers were mostly white because of how they dealt with genocide it just gave off palm color you know yeah i just think that i would really i'd, I'd want i just want to explore parental abuse because i feel like there's so many types of it and there are probably a lot of kids who went through that and as adults it has really affected them in very different ways and it can be a very subtle thing or it can be like a life-changing thing and you wonder why you feel this way or you act this way as an adult and more often than not it comes down to like what you experienced as a child obviously it's explored pretty explicitly in this show but there's also a lot of things being shown in the show so i think if that was the main topic of a cartoon I think that would probably help a lot of kids feel like, oh, like this person is going through what I'm going through. And maybe as an adult, they can look back on it and be like, wow, like this show really got me through it. Overall, I think this is a okay show. I just feel like there's a lot of missed potential. And I feel like the ending was really rushed. I feel like since they had 48 episodes from the start, they kind of like planned it out better. But overall, I really like the lesbian kiss scene it was really great i really liked the confrontation between adora and mara i know i didn't talk about that but like even though i i think some parts were like weren't, weren't written that well i really like the part where like mara says das be another way you don't always have to sacrifice yourself even though there really wasn't another way to like solve the problem at the end of the day adora still had to like almost sacrifice herself although like catcher did save her but yeah, I, I really like this. I really like that we got to see like Micah and Glimmer react for the first time to each other because that was a really cool scene. Double Trouble is still my favorite character. They're really amazing. Even though they are a theater kid, I'm watching Double Trouble because they are a theater kid and I am silently judging, but they are still amazing and sassy. I'm just so relieved that this show had a pretty good and satisfying ending given the time frame they had. Obviously, they could have paced things better knowing that they had at least four seasons. I think the fifth season was, it wasn't immediately greenlit. So there was a time where people were like, are we going to get a fifth season? Obviously, if they had another two confirmed seasons to work with, maybe more of the character storylines would have had a more realistic time frame. But for what we were given, most of the character storylines were pretty great. The only one I had an issue with is Hordak, who I still believe should have died. But as a show, this was great. Every season got better. There weren't really any huge plot or storyline issues that I had an issue with. Most of the characters were intriguing to watch. This was just a solid show and all around, I'm really glad that DreamWorks and Netflix allowed this show to happen. To be clear, I'm not thanking them. I'm just acknowledging them for finally making a smart move and allowing someone to write a beautiful story. I know I can't be the only one already missing this show. So if you're one of those people feeling that empty void, boy do I have something for you because it is time.
for a little segment I like to call the Mediocre Minute. This is a tiny little micro moment where me and Marco recommend books, comics, music, games, and more for you all to give a little look-see after the emotional roller coaster that was She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. My recommendation is Cosmo Knights by Hannah Templer. Are y'all missing space gays and their swords? Well, that's exactly what you're going to get with this comic. Chivalrous mech knights fight for the freedom of princesses and a brave ginger girl searches for her childhood best friend and first love. Cass is my favorite character. Of course, don't be silly. I've finished the first book. I really liked it. The second one recently came out and I just started reading it. So far, it's been great. But if you want to read something reminiscent of this show, I implore you all to give that comic a shot. Marco, what is your recommendation? My recommendation is a podcast called An Animated Female Unhinged by Haryana Huck. Haryana Huck is a YouTuber, a commentary YouTuber about like animation, kids entertainment, all that kind of stuff. And she does a podcast called An Animated Female Unhinged. I'm reading this off of the podcast description, but it's basically about female cartoon characters that behave in non-traditional feminine ways, which basically means unhinged characters, you know? She has done, like, episodes on a character from Gumball, a character from Mulan, or Mulan herself, and a character from Powerpuff Girls. Those are the three that I know of. They've also done, like, seven other characters so far it's a really good podcast i listen to almost every episode it's really great i really like her commentary and yeah anyways you guys that's our thoughts on the finale of shira it's been so long i i can't believe it's over you know honestly it's it's been kind of rough for me because i've been procrastinating watching shira but it's because i'm like really busy and really tired after work because mal and i both work full-time jobs and it's really tiring out sometimes but I'm happy that we managed to finish this and that we're posting this before 2024. If you want to send us a voice message on Spotify for podcasters, there'll be a link in the description below. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are at MidTakesPod. And that's everything. So goodbye. Okay, don't end it yet. Okay. I want to give Bye. a little secret message to the people who listen to the end. So Evie. No, I'm just kidding. Guys. I just want to thank you all for listening for as long as you have. And I, we hope you enjoyed this She-Ra marathon. And I hope you all can find it in your heart to forgive Katra. We weren't supposed to do a She-Ra marathon, but Mel decided to. So I guess that's I'm sorry, just I just got really quirky inside of them. <laughs> you just got really quirky. Yeah. Anyways, bye.